this Charlie Hebdo thing happened. Hmm? And it was disgusting, you know. You don't support either side of what has happened, right? Either side, not the newspaper and not the murderers either. However, non-black Muslims have come out and said, oh, when you insult the gays, you are homophobic. When you insult the Jews, you're anti-Semitic. And when you insult the blacks, you're racist. But what about the Muslims? And I can show you examples, multiple. One guy said, when you insult the Negroes, you're a racist, an Arab guy. These people are so ignorant, they don't realize that if it wasn't for the, the blood of black people, you guys wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for the blood of black people in America, wasn't for the blood of black people here in the UK, across Europe, every act, every progress that you see that's been made in from Bristol, there were, boy, there were bus boycotts in Bristol from black people. That's the reason why Asians can drive buses. That's the reason why it, people benefit from our struggle and then act like it never happened. Like, why do, constantly, our struggle is that they act as if white people just all of a sudden stop being racist to us and everything is fine. How can you say, oh, when you say racist things about black people, you're called a racist? When most Muslim organizations at some point or another have had something anti-black said about black people and nothing was done. These people saying these things are proof that what they're saying is not true. And then they equate us, there's this anti-Semitic idea as well that, you know, Jews are oh, they're protected and blah blah blah. They've never suffered either. And then they put black people with them. And then also the, the one thing that really annoys me is they take black people out of Islam when they say that. The first Muslims in the West were black. So how do we begin this? And we are live after a long break because of a change of circumstances. And I'm here with the greatest man in his twenties I've ever met in my life, the one and only. The editor-in-chief, the Shug Knight of the Muslim scene, Mr. Salim Kashamu. You have to do spirit fingers. You done? I'm never done. I'm undoneable. Then my can't done me. You're mad. How have you been? You been alright? I've been good, man. It's been a while. I've been trying to, trying to yeah, get you on a podcast yeah. and you just uh, refuse constantly. I've not refused. On I've your been, own podcast. I've been, uh, I've been busy. <laughs> I literally, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, there, there's been a slight change uh, in certain aspects of my life. So uh, I've, I've been uh, busy, very, very, very busy. Um, but Alhamdulillah, it's good to be, I mean, I, I say back, I've still been here. We didn't go anywhere, but it's good to finally sit down and do this because yeah. I know obviously... You miss me. I've, I've been receiving messages from your community. Um, you know, they're like, Salim is even sadder than normal, even more monotone, you know. But yeah, how's it been? Good. I, I mean, I, I think it's I, I'm, there's a lot more going on in your life than mine, let's be honest. Uh, post nah, post uh, uh, Britain's Got Talent and all of that, what's, what, what's it been like? What have you been up to? Man, um, you know, the, the stuff I can't talk about now legally, but like openly but really amazing things, a lot of doors. You know, when I did the show, it's funny because, you know, with lockdown, initially I didn't want to do the show. I wasn't sure that I should do it. And then I decided to, something just nudged me to do it. And as you know, I found out a decent career before COVID, I was doing fine. But I thought, you know what, I want to try and break into, like I was a cult comedian with a cult following, right? Not quite but top I tier to try and, back then, right? Not quite top tier, according to certain members of your staff, but. 
that's fine you know <laughs> uh, i've got love for the autistic uh, community but anyway um that, that you know i wasn't like on tv or anything like that i was doing lots of live shows killing it on the touring side of things but just wasn't a household name or, or even close to being one you know muslims knew me some black people knew me some but it wasn't you know it wasn't a, a main thing i got in on the clubs but i was comfortable you know uh and someone told me you know what don't get too comfortable try and um go to the next level it's like working at a job and trying to get a promotion that's mm. how i saw Rizgo talent because i knew that if I went on, I would do well. I didn't think, I didn't know whether I would get into the top 10. I didn't know if I would make it to the final. I didn't know all of that. But I knew that I would do well because I've been doing this for a while and I think I'm quite good at it. Evidently, I'm right. I am. Um, so I did the show and all this stuff unfolded. And, you know, if it wasn't, if I didn't do the show, I don't know where I'd be right now because lockdown, yeah. um, COVID, social distancing has decimated my industry i mean it's terrible people actually are like comedians that were doing really well before right now are struggling bro and even if this lockdown thing goes uh most promoters um most uh you know comedy clubs will not book guys that don't have some kind of following or some kind of tv clout and in the meantime how are these guys supposed to pay their bills man hmm. like, it's a real struggle for lots of different you know occupations but self-employed people and entertainers have been hit hard like i'm surprised the crime rate hasn't gone up yet you know what i mean people are about to start getting robbed by comedians like can you describe him i don't know what he looked like but he was funny you know it was <laughs> <laughs> why did you cross the road give me a watch you know it's gonna be it's gonna be you know it, it, it's it's tough and, and even mentally for a lot of comedians, because most comedians suffer from some form of mental health problem or another. The vast majority of us do, whether it's anxiety or depression. Comedy, a lot of the time, like for myself, was an event before it was um, something I thought would become a career. And that's been taken away from a lot of people. You know, this, and London is the, is, is, is the city with the most comedy clubs per square mile in the world. Um, more than three quarters of these places have shut down now. So yeah. it's going to become more competitive. Uh, it's just sad. Honestly, it's sad, man. Uh, you know, so I'm glad I did it. No, I, I mean, obviously you, you did well. I think, uh, obviously, we had a few conversations very early on post-BGT. I, you know, I messaged you and we had a chat and whatever. But I guess for people that don't have your your personal number, for the right price, I will give it out on this podcast or just on my own personal social media. <laughs> But go ahead, um, it's getting changed anyway. <laughs> Soon I won't be able to contact you. I can't wait for that. Um, you barely can now. <laughs> but what what was the uh, how how did you feel? Because um, I I think watching at home that moment where you weren't in the top three, I think there was a people felt at least from the kind of because I think the general vibe was that you were representing uh, a kind of the Muslim community, minority communities as well the kind of anti-racist I mean you made that Corbyn joke as well there was that kind of element to it but you know didn't make it into the top three and then kind of I and think that actually turned out to be a blessing but yeah so so what was that all uh how, how did you feel so um as soon as I walked off um as soon as I go off stage I just felt numb like empty just numb like not sad not angry just like <sighs> that's it it's done Mm. And it was like, I wasn't sad, 
wasn't angry. I was just processing what, what happened. And, you know, this show took up a year of my life. Um, you know, because, like, I, in fact, longer than, you know, I knew I was going to do the show from about August, September last year. Yeah. Maybe even a bit before that. I auditioned in February. So the, 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 the preparation between the knowing I was going to do it, all the information I had to give, all the forms and legal things I had to go through, um, all the way up to actually, you know, deciding what material I was going to do. Because even that is a battle people did not see. Because everything that um, I, we did, especially, especially comedians, right, um, it, it had to go through a team of lawyers, a compliance team, producers, researchers. They had to go through all of that. You, you know, you have to fight to justify every single thing that you do on stage. But not, none of your you stuff know? is controversial, though, so I'm sure there was no issues there, right? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I had this one bit I was going to do. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Uh, you're not, you're not going to give it? You can't say that and then not give it to us. No, it, uh, no, no. You're going to have to buy tickets to the tour, room, boy. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a battle, man. A lot of people... This thing is, people sit down at home. Yeah, I saw some guy come out and, you know, th th there was a... Over the period, like these, this is the people were in different stages, right? So when I got the golden buzzer, people who generally like me were all happy for me. Um, a few people who normally don't like me were like, oh, yeah, well, you know. Then I had people inboxing me talking about, oh, I know you've had disagreements, but congratulations. But then I still find them chatting shit on a thread elsewhere, right? I'm like, cool. Then I had someone come out and say, oh, um, this one person was like, oh, Nabil, you know, I didn't find it funny, but. You know, uh, I'm glad that he's talking about these issues with the platform he's been given. I'm like, this guy, you know, my audition was, you only saw about 10% of what I did on stage because they, they wanted to show me backstage with my kids and, and you know, show you a bit of who I am because I, I was a golden buzzer. So the way they edited it, they wanted people to, you know, if you're a golden buzzer, people have to know more about you as a person, right? Yeah. And because I didn't say much about myself, there was no sob story. It was just a footage of me playing with my kids backstage, which, which is, if anyone knows me, that's pretty much all I do anyway. I play with my kids, uh, you know. Um, and then um, by the time I go to the semi-final, semi-final is not edited. They, they, let, they let me do, you know, they, they put out what I did. What I, mm. It was agreed they would allow me to do. I did it. I'm like, oh, wow, he's really improved. The same guy that I was talking about, oh, I don't find it funny. Oh, wow, he's really improved his material now. Shut up, man. I've been doing this for 11 years. Professionally. I've, I've followed some of the biggest acts in the world. No lie. I, the, the, when this was about to be released, I was on tour with Dave Chappelle's mentor. I'm good at what... But because you only ever turn up... You've only seen me once or twice uh, at some charity gig somewhere where they tell me I can't do jokes about this, that, and the other. You now elect yourself as some connoisseur. Of course, shut up, man. And also, people who were talking about how I'm not funny, oh, he's this, oh, he's on BGT, he's a seller, all of a sudden, they were team Nabil. Oh, Nabil's amazing. He's been doing this for years. He's fantastic. I'm like, if I could slap people through the phone, I would. Um, then the final, people are talking about, oh, he had a chance to win, but he went too far. Suck your mom. If I had won, sorry, but if I had won with that set, he'd be like, yeah, mashallah. You see, if you just stay true to your beliefs, and it's it's funny how the you know the different people in the community react to things, right? 
because non-Muslims and, you know, black people were consistent throughout. But you see, like, the wider Muslim community, right? One minute, when, when um, the mainstream says, I'm great, I'm great. Then when I didn't win, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, he went too far. What he said was too extreme. And it's like, people who make these judgments are people who go to an office and they, their name is Muhammad, but they make everyone call them Mo. These are people who own, whose uncle own a corner shop that sell alcohol, right? These are the people that put pressure on artists like me to be unapologetic. But they don't even stand behind you when you are. I mean, a lot of people did. Like, I gained a huge following. It's one of the things I didn't even realize the day of the final. I didn't realize how much my following had grown uh, until the next day when I checked my Twitter and my Instagram. I was like, wow. Because nobody, nobody, nobody else got the same boost that I did. I didn't understand it. And I found out that the far right actually... Like groups of people made WhatsApp messages and whatnot to lobby so that they would vote strategically against me. And like I just I just thought, wow, this is amazing. Like if I caused that much, there were people on the other side who were like doing everything they could to vote so I would do well. And on the other side, nobody else had that in the competition. But there I, were no I think people. at the same time, it doesn't take a lot to trigger the far right anyway. Like very recently, yeah. we've got the, the the whole Sainsbury's Christmas ad fiasco, for example, um, yeah, w- which is there, turned I out wasn't to be the golf, only right? black. I wasn't the only black person in this competition. Mm. I wasn't the only black person that made it to the semi-finals. But look at look at what got generated. You know, look look. <laughs> no, but Magical Bones didn't get that. He's black. He talked about slavery. He talked, but they just for whatever reason targeted me. My inbox was a madness, bro. My website nearly crashed. My website nearly crashed. My phone's memory, right? It got to the point where I couldn't download videos. I couldn't send pictures. I couldn't send messages. In fact, at one point, people's um, names disappeared from their numbers. I got so many messages, my phone's memory could not handle it. The, The reaction was crazy. But at the time, you know, after the final, you know, I just... You know, imagine you've been doing something for a whole year and then it's just gone. Mm. And there's, you know, I felt like this. At the time, I didn't realize, you know, the amount of, because like the impression I made, um, I don't know about, like, I don't even want to talk about the community because I mean, any Muslim representing Muslims, you know, you're, you're going to get a lot of support and love. I was shocked by the love and support that I got. I expected the hatred. I expected um, all the attacks and you threats thrive and on stuff it. Let's like. be honest. Yeah, of course I do. I do, I, I, and I think that's the only way to 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 deal with adversity. You need to mm. use it as fuel to do something. You know, you can't let it get you down. What shocked me was that outpour of support from all types of people, from all walks of life. I I was humbled. I'm not gonna lie. At one point, it brought me to tears when I saw some of the kind things that were messages that I was receiving. I was like, I've never had this level of recognition shown to me before mm. for, for i've worked hard man like that's the thing people don't understand what it is you might because you, the, the um, tmv is your baby you know and, and everyone else's baby over there all the guys working there you know you know what it means to use your hands your sweat your labor to create something that yeah. makes a difference but most people in our community do not know that most people <laughs> work a day job um, or even if they're self-employed, it's not something that's their passion. So, you know, you can 
you can work in an office and, you know, you get your salary, you go home, do whatever you do. But look, I took a, a hobby uh, and a passion that many people did not support. I had friends when I used to live, in, you know, in a flat, flat share with mates who would never turn up to my shows. I've had friends, I've, I've, I've had friends that will never even share a YouTube video, never like a post, you know. So I went from that and, and, and like, I've had so many meetings. Do you know how many things I turned? The start of my career, I got, I got possibly cast for a Hollywood movie. But the part, what they want me to, wanted me to say and do was so disrespectful to black people, to Islam, that I, I turned it down. Um, I had a TV show early in my career. I walked away from it because the stuff that they were asking me to do, I'm like, I can't do that. And my, my people are stabbing each other and shooting each other and stuff. I can't promote this. This is negativity, right? So those opportunities would have probably changed the course of my career, but I turned those things down. And for the last 11 years, you've seen me live. Most people who know who I am online and whatnot, most of them have never seen my work live. They've never seen my stand-up. They just know about me because someone else told them. And a lot of the time, the things they hear aren't even true. And for 11 years, the thing that has closed doors in my face, the thing that has got me um, blackballed, blacklisted, like that's how I felt. The thing that has kept me away, people were scared to manage me because I was too controversial. The thing that has closed all these things for me and, and made my career difficult, my principles, was what made me blow. There's no greater satisfaction or vindication than that. No one can ever take that from me. I went, I did BGT, and anyone that says I sold out, because I saw some people saying that as well, or oh, it's a sellout going on this program. Meanwhile, they're on Facebook using uh, a platform from the enemy. These people work uh, as lawyers, solicitors, right, in the mainstream community. They, they sell insurance in the mainstream community. They're software developers for mainstream companies, some of which are ethic, ethically questionable. I'm a sellout for trying to advance my career by going on TV. Anyway, what I did in the semi-final and final, even in my auditions, just you didn't see everything I did. I went on there and I didn't change who I was. And I don't care what anyone says. I'm proud of that. I think that what I did there, that's a moment. That's something that'll be remembered even in the future. And, you know, to, to look back on it now, I, I can I, I hold my head up high, win, lose, or draw. Because the fact is, I believe that in a few years, like, I know whose name is going to be remembered from that particular season or generally. I know whose name is going to be remembered from that. I know who's, and it begins with an N, you know? So, man, it's, it, at the time when the show finished, I wasn't thinking like this. I just thought, what do I do now? It's COVID, there's lockdown, there's no clubs open. What, what, what am I going to do? You know, and sorry, it's a bit of a, it, it's just passion from, What's happened? But you know, I, I do take man. these podcasts as like uh, pseudo therapy sessions. So don't worry, keep keep talking. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I mean, do what you need to do, bro. You you know, but you know how it is, man. Yeah, you, yeah. you're a creative and a businessman, and you have principles. Like I know you, I I know you personally now. There's many times you could have extorted people for money for things. Don't forget, I know people who know you too. Right? You, you I don't just asking around about money. me. You've been digging. Your name, your name comes up in conversation, in it. And after they call you a waste man and stuff, people always say, "There's many opportunities you've had. You're like me. There's many opportunities you've had where you could have sold out mm. and probably gotten a bit more benefit for your business or businesses, yeah, than you've got. And you chose not to because you have ethics, right? 
So you, you, I'm sure when you saw my audition, I'm sure you felt some kind of emotion yourself. Yeah. Because you, you're, you're me. You, you're but again, but, but again, that's that, that's on a personal level. Like as you say, I, I think a lot of people don't fully know it, and, and it's the problem with social media today, right? You look at somebody based on their Twitter, Facebook, Instagram antics, and you think that's them, um, without fully knowing and understanding who the real person is. So I, I Bro, think you, you know what. Yeah. What's even even when you say that, most of the people that say object to my so-called antics haven't actually directly looked at my feed mm. or the body of work that I've done online. Because like even the things that people think are negative don't exist in a vacuum. There's a story behind them. But for the most part, for 11 years, I've represented my community, I think, to the best of my ability. And that's not just black folk. You know, that's that's Muslims, that's people from inner city London. I've, you know, I've been out there, I've been putting in work online and offline, you know, yeah. and people have misconceptions based on lies. Uh, in, and it's not like, you know, you know, the same way the Daily Mail knows some of the stuff that, well, not really the Daily Mail, because to be honest, they were actually quite good to me. Something like the, 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 the Daily Star or Daily Mirror, they know that the stuff they say is inflammatory. They know some of the stuff they say isn't accurate but they post things anyway because it gets views and they have an agenda. So mm. it's the same thing. People who don't even know me, they heard something from somebody who heard something from somebody that knows they were lying and has probably even admitted they lied and they don't know the full picture. But for most people, it's not hard. It's not hard. If anyone Googles me or does research, they'll see why I've done consistently. They'll see why I've been on. Um, and reliable sources, not like... Um, you know, Twitter accounts that are only two weeks old <laughs> with 10 followers and a weird people who put their face and name to what they say for the most part. There's many people that can vouch for the stuff that I've been doing. And, you know, to finally get recognition, bro, honestly, it's humbling. Honestly, man, people say your head gets bigger when you get opportunities. But no, for me, it's humbled me. Honestly, um, I hope anybody who's seen this whole... Um, uh, period for me. I hope it motivates them to keep doing what they're doing. You know, because it's so easy to give up on a passion, bro. I had a passion for this podcast that me and you have together. <laughs> and, and you and, didn't give up, and here I am. And post BGT, <laughs> I tried so hard to get you to to, to actually sign up to, to recording one, and, and here we are, as you say. You know, I'm an inspiration even that. to those close to you. Imagine. Look at that. You see, um, you're welcome. So I, I think also it would be interesting to, to hear more about um, the kind of responses you've had. And I think specifically, because uh, we've had this conversation about the kinds of um, yeah. businesses and people that have wanted you to be brand ambassadors and, and do adverts and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think generally, because we, we, initially we had the idea of, of having a conversation about um, the exploitation of um creatives in this space and 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 obviously you know black creatives as well specifically but but just generally what's your experience been like in terms of um what response have you had from within the community i guess primarily because i think we're we're, we're the, the worst culprits of this stuff um, yeah it's it's been terrible like every day i get some nonsense request every day like now obviously do like do you want to shout stuff, out some of the brands I don't want to give them promotion, bro. Like, I mean, for example, like there's one charity that like uh, I've worked. There's a couple that like you know did not do anything 
to support me while I was going through, wow, no message from, like there's people in these companies that know me, right? And there's no message of, oh, well done. Even if let's say you have a policy that means you can't tell people to vote for me. Uh, by the way, shout out to Muzmatch, um, you know, because they, they were supportive. They, were t- they didn't have to do that. I didn't ask them to do that. They did that because they recognized, um, the, you know, the, the, what I was doing. Shout out to Muslim, spelt with a V, yeah, MV, Slim, right? Shout out to them. They, they did stuff. They, they actually were trying to get people because our community doesn't necessarily watch TV like that. They don't, they're not good with like voting and things like that on shows or with real elections. So these guys were out there trying to get people to try and vote for me. And yeah. even though I didn't win, it's still, you know, I appreciate that because that, that's, but like there are people, these were brands and, and people that had never met me, didn't know me or didn't know me that well. And they came through to help. Um, but then there's organizations where I know people there. And I've always known that, you know, they worked with me because I'm good at what I do, not because they like me. And many of them even had a problem with my stance on anti-blackness and things like that, you know, have tried to silence me in various ways. They've had to try to dox me and, and all kinds of things. And, and then now, after the show's over, they're like, oh, can you come and do xyz event for us or xyz talk on anti-blackness and i'm like why do you care now though like where were you three four years ago when there was major controversy when i exposed this person like there's one organization that i was doing a tour with and one of their major uh members um used a racial slur uh and and others witnessed it and it was against black people and i said look you guys call me this guy that flies off the handle and does all this crazy stuff. Now, if I slap this guy, it, the news will spread around the industry that I did this, right? If I, if I react and say something equally offensive, you guys will call me a racist. But what are you doing now? I'm, not, I'm being calm because I know that you, this guy is trying to bait a reaction from me. What are you guys going to do? And they did nothing. Uh, and these, these people have a track record of, of maltreating so, black so- Muslim entertainers. Quick question. So, so these same organizations that are now asking you to speak, why not? Yeah, but, come and speak. No, but why not take the opportunity, go there, no, do the talking, no, and, and no. call them out at the same time? No, like because I'm going to go there. They're going to make money. They're going to sell tickets. They're going to get rich off of my labor. Those days are done. I'm not helping anybody get clout or money off of my name. And they're like, they're, they're talking, I should come and do a talk about anti blackness. But you go to their offices in Manchester, go to their offices in Birmingham, go to their offices in Bradford. You go to these people's offices and there's no black staff. Yeah, but call it out is what I'm and, saying. You can go yeah, to the but like, now. Well, No, I'm not gonna, I'll call it out from where I am. Like I have done and I'll continue to do. Right? I don't need to go to their event that they're booking me for and trying to get it to come and do for free and help them make money and have my name on their fly. I've got a brand to protect now. Yeah, I've always had... A, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make someone... Ri- because like I called him out that day, yeah. Oh, he said that. Oh, subhanallah. Oh, offensive. And then it goes. But the money that they make from that day will still go into their pockets. And they'll mm. still use it to continue to fund their bullshit projects, you know, that don't do anything for black people. Don't do anything. Don't give back to them. They have fundraisers. They have all these events and never reach out to inner city youth. They never reach out to black. I remember so many times I've done all these events. I've done every major organization you can think of. Um, with, with the exception of Launch Good, not one of them has shown any interest in wanting to do social enterprise for the UK, first of all. You know, 
Our youth are here stabbing and killing each other every day. But these people are interested in sending money to countries, particularly Pakistan, Palestine, where they have people there. And then you find out, lo and behold, a lot of the money doesn't even make it to the people it's being sent to. You know, only Launchgood has approached me and said, can we uh, help you do anything in Nigeria? And I will be able to supervise what they're doing with the money. It's just that right now, Nigeria is just getting settled after the whole SARS thing. Yeah. But I intend to do some work with Launchgood. But apart from that, I've never seen any of these, not one of them, not one of these major charities reach out to us Africans. When they send people over to places like Gambia and whatnot, they'll send an Asian guy. They'll send someone with no connection there. There was even one issue, and I'll name them because everybody already knows their crap. Penny Appeal sent some racist Egyptian guy to Gambia, and, and there was some stuff kicked off. He said he, he kind of embarrassed some kid to prove you're Muslim. I don't believe you. In a country that's 99% Muslim, prove you're Muslim. I don't believe you. And then these people had no problem with him posting that on their on his social media. They didn't see why that's problematic. Well, and then you want me to go and give a talk for, for, it, for organizations with this same, because they all have the same kind of ethos. You do events with these people and they treat black acts like crap. Then they're unethical. Like they will contact you and tell you, they will, you, you have organizations out there that will, what they'll do, this is what they do, particularly to black acts. And I, I did a, a live um, shout out to um, Naima B. Roberts, the Young and Muslim podcast, Hafsa Debiri, all, all these other black talented Muslims. Nadira as well, the, the Haitian sister in America. These, these people will contact you and say, oh, we want to work in partnership with you. That's what they call it, partnership. They then ask you to do fundraising for XYZ amount. In XYZ amount of days, when they know that it's not possible, you're going to have to keep on posting. And then they give you some bullshit. Um, uh, uh, what, 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 what do they call it again? Sorry, English is not my first language. They give you, um, what's that thing? Commission. Right, but the commission is extortionate. And the person telling you to do this often is the head of fundraising. They're basically making you do their job, which they're getting paid for. And they expect you to do it for free or for peanuts. And if you have a problem with that, you're the problem. Well, they'll contact There's another one. I got contacted by somebody. Oh, yeah, can, can, they, can you do this event for us? And the, 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 my agent was dealing with it. And my agent was like, message me and said, is this guy being serious? I said, why? They're offering you some paltry sum of money, right? Because they don't, they can't afford to pay you. And the reason they can't afford to pay you is that they spent fifty grand or something on the venue. And X Y Z, the guy listed all the things he spent yeah. money on. X Y Z grand on the catering, and they intend to raise X Y Z hundred grand on. The fundraising day because they already know they always, they always have like a ballpark idea yeah they have a return they know what they're gonna get yeah and they know that the only reason people will turn up even before britain's got talent you've seen it most of these muslim events like if if it's not nabil abdul rashid performing I, or uh, it's not gaz khan or tess Ilias, it's dead it's dead more time it was it's us that make the event most of the people that turn up turn up to see us but if you see how we have to fight to get paid a decent fee. Meanwhile, these guys are driving to these places in Bentleys and CLSs and all kinds of crazy cars telling you we don't have a budget. And the fees we're asking for may, may sound like a lot of money for one night's work. But what people don't understand is, you know, I'm going to have to still pay a different type of tax from you, the guy that works nine to five. Um, I still have 
to consider my travel. I don't get sick pay. I don't get all the things that people do who do 95 do. We don't get plus you're paying for years of experience and expertise. And it's like if I'm the reason you can raise 500 grand, yeah, or 60 grand or 70 grand in a night, you should not be calling me telling me we don't have a budget. If you have 30K for a venue, which nine times out of 10 isn't even suitable for the type of event you do, they just spend all this money on venues because either one, their uncle or their cousin owns the venue, right? Mm -hmm. So it's some shitty banqueting hall. Or two, they want to show off. They want to get this big, so they'll get like a, you've seen this, I'm sure you've seen it. People will get a massive banqueting hall, yeah? Spend loads of money on an event where they're going to have performance, but not think about buying a proper stage. Then have sound that doesn't work because the ceiling is too high. And these people will have the same event and have the same problems every single year. You want to do a comedy event, but everybody's sitting down on circular tables with their backs to the comedian and they're miles apart before social distancing. The lights are on bright. The sound doesn't work. You, you didn't have an age restriction, so there's kids running around everywhere. You know, and then you tell a comedian, come and perform at your event where they're going to be recorded, struggling to do well at your event because it's poorly organized, right? So they're doing more work and then you want them to do it for free or for peanuts while you probably make like 30 grand that night, most of which will not go to the country that you want to send it to. And then when we start refusing to do these events, we're the ones that are difficult. SubhanAllah, bro. It's terrible. <laughs> and... After shows, people walk up to you talking about, oh, brother, can you give us a Muslim discount? Why should I give you a Muslim discount? How about you give me a Muslim raise? Give me a Muslim bonus. And black Muslims, the black Muslim entertainers are targeted the most. And nine times out of ten, we're the best. What, ma what makes you say that? What, what, what makes you say what? That, that you're targeted the most. Like, can you substantiate that? Yeah, because like I've spoken to, um, for example, not just even entertainers, speakers, right, doing the same event. And there'll be a black guy on who's the main attraction. And there'll be an Arab or an Asian on, yeah? The Arab sometimes is getting paid five, six times more than the black guy is. When I first started, this was, this was consistent. Really? Consistent, yeah, yeah. And all, all the charities have done it. All the organizations are guilty of this. It's only people like me who started fighting and saying, no, no, I'm not doing it. And then they know that, oh, their crowd loves what you do. Then all of a sudden, they start slowly, slowly, slowly raising up the fee they offer you. And then you get a bad reputation just for asking for your work. You know? So you're, you're, you're saying consistently that, that consistently. All, all organizations will pay black talent less than they will uh, yes. non-black talent. And they will do things to black talent that they will not do to the others it's only recently these things started to change and i'm telling you i'm a big reason why i started a group and i put um all the muslim comedians uh in there and i told them look this is how much i get paid for this right because i fought for it don't charge anything less than that so for example i'll give you an example somebody who is paying me say 10 pounds because i had to fight will turn around and tell someone else, oh, we can only pay two. I had, I had to, in fact, here's one. So I was hosting um, a Nasheed concert type, Nasheed concert type thing, right? I know, I know, I know, trust me. I, I have many stories about that Nasheed we, we can, concert. We can discuss tour. this one offline properly, but yeah, go on, carry on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you know who it was for as well. You know what I mean? Um, so I was hosting that 
And um, this this guy, uh, I, I, I got brought in last minute to host it because, you know, the guy who was, that was meant to host couldn't. And I said, look, I'm not doing it for any any less than this because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be away for a few nights with my family. So I came in and I did it. And then on the night, so I couldn't make it. Prince Abdi took my place. And later they tried to book me for a tour off the back of seeing how good I was uh, just, you know, uh, after the, before the fundraising, I was a really good host. And they found that they raised more money on the days that I was on. And this became the tradition. Anybody who's been to see me during any of these comedy tours where we're fundraising, they'll remember that I was always put on just before fundraising because people gave more money after I'd been on. Wallahi, this is the truth. Anybody who's seen, very rare that I'm not on at that spot. And in fact, for a long time, people just, if you put a bill on before the fundraiser, people give more money. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm Nigerian. Maybe it's the high energy. I don't know. But it was off the back of this tour, right? Now, they tried to book me again. And I asked for the same fee. And someone else was there. And they said, oh, we're not even allowed to pay more than this. We've never paid more than this for any act. And we had to just send them a chain of emails from previous bookings and say, why are you lying? And the guy said, oh, oh, oh calm down. I was just negotiating. Calm down. Like, these people, in the name of a, a religious charity, will lie to you lie outright lie the, the other trick they like to do is they'll have an event at a university but it's their event they will make they won't use their official email they'll make uh, an email on the day to email you claiming to be a student and saying they want to book you for a, a student event they'll, 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 you know and then you turn up and it's this huge or they'll tell you there's no sponsors there's no i remember there was one um there's one woman's charity right and uh, they told, they said, oh, it was, uh, you know, a charity for women, uh, protection of women, women who've been abused. And, you know, I have a soft spot for that kind of stuff because I do social enterprise. And they're like, oh, we've got no sponsors. Um, we don't have a fee. In fact, Nabil's the only man that's even performing on the night. Because, you know, we're, we're most of the, you know, they're just some sob story they put together for me. They, they haven't even confirmed the venue yet, but they know the date is going to be this, blah, blah. And I'm like, how can you not have a venue confirmed? But like, because my heart is so soft for that cause, you see like domestic violence, honor violence, I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> a week later, they confirm. Where's the venue? Royal Nawabs. The main, the biggest hall there. They're like, they don't have any, I turn up, there's acts from Canada that they flew in three days earlier and paid for their accommodation and everything. Mm. Their accommodation, their food, their travel was all catered to for the three days that were there leading up to the event. But these people were happy to lie to me and say, oh, they have no money. Oh, the acts were just in the country at the time. They actually lied, even though I'd already spoken to the act and heard the truth from them. The act said, yeah, yeah, they flew me over. They contacted me, you know. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That they, these people lied and said, you know, we, 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 we so don't you have didn't any get, money. You didn't get paid anything? Oh, no, no, I got paid. I okay. got paid, but like half, maybe less than half than what I would normally charge. You, you know what's really interesting? L listening to kind of all these stories from the outside. So obviously I'm involved mm -hmm. in kind of the Muslim space, but not the, the charity space directly. You guys, not you personally, but yeah. these organizations are going to struggle in the next year, bro. Gonna but it's, really it, it, it's it's almost like a really strange environment this whole like event fundraising space yeah because um, it's like 
just be an events company. The, to me, the fundraising aspect, like these people like doing events. That's their main yeah. way to raise money, right? Yeah, yeah. So just be an events company that happens to do charity. Don't lie and say you're just a charity with no budget. Mm. Because a lot of the time, these guys do this to touch their nose, right? So like I told someone, look, instead of getting a banqueting hall, go and book a theater. Book a studio theater, right? That means you have less money to pay in terms of your sound setup and things like that. Mm. You see this human appeal tour? Me and Artif Nawaz are the reason that it's so good. Because we gave them technical advice about what kind of rooms to use, how to set the things up. That was all us. That you know, there was a night in Blackburn. I remember I saved the night. They the team had the speakers facing facing the wrong way, so the sound was going. It was me and artist that went and physically turned the speakers um, round the people to make sure that the sound. Then it was a surround sound experience, so everybody could hear. And that has become the best night of the tour. Even things like how to dim the lights, the the perfect way to put the spotlights. Things like um, getting venues with low ceilings that Muslims still haven't figured out yet. They still go and get a banqueting hall with a ceiling that if you fall from it, you're definitely going to die. They go and get those places and then they'll get some dead uncle to come and do the host uh, and they're talking to the microphone like this. Nobody could hear what they're saying. There's kids running around. We're the ones that told them have a crash outside for kids if kids have to yeah. attend. Children shouldn't be in a comedy show, even if it's clean because they don't have the attention span to listen. These are the little things. And you've got people who've been working in charity, um, charities as events organizers for 10 years, and they still don't know about that. They don't know about how to make everything run to time. We're the ones that came. They, so this is what I'm saying. This is the level of expertise they get from us, and then they want to pay us less. When I go to central London to go do a comedy show, I don't need to do all of that. I don't need to worry about children running around. I don't need to worry about performing in front of uncles and aunties that can't speak English. I don't need to worry about you know, someone flipping, trying to refute me during the show. I don't need to worry about all of that. I don't need to worry about not getting paid on time. Yeah. I don't need to worry if somebody's lying about my feet. So it's like these guys give us all these issues to deal with. We have to cater to that. And then they want to try. And you see, after BGT, you'd think that people would be smart enough to know that, okay, now we can't try that with him. <laughs> They're doing it even more now. <laughs> They're doing it even more. Oh god! Yeah, do it even more, and then when you don't want to work with them, it's all oh, you've turned your back on the community. Where were you? To, where were you a couple of weeks ago? I didn't. I didn't even like I said. Some of these people, not even a congratulations or a good luck or a, all the best or may Allah be with you. None of that. But then all of a sudden, everyone's coming with their hand out. They want you to come and do stuff for free. Get out of here, man! If I and, could and slap people through the phone. So spe specifically, like uh, you know, we said that it's about um, black talent that gets exploited in this space. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think that's the case? What? Well, come on now. How long have we been doing this podcast, bro? No, but are you gonna ask me a silly question like that? But you on, know on, exactly on the, why. Is it come just on, on a basic man. level they see black people as inferior? Yeah, they think that we're dumb. They don't like you know. Like most of these people. Just think, oh, you know, just get some color, put him on stage. They don't understand. And also, I think there's because, an sorry, underappreciation sorry. of art. It's two things. Yeah, go on. Arts are not respected and appreciated yeah. by these communities, even though they're very, very important, especially in this day and age. That's when art is not appreciated. Then secondly, right, black people still, all the issues we've talked about since the inception of this podcast stay mm. true. So you've got a black person 
who is then in an industry that you, so you already don't respect black people or see them as equal. They're then doing a, a profession that you don't respect, don't know anything about. Yeah, It's like, you know, I'm even, you know, like, like I said, somebody, like someone called me to try to get me to come and do something for them. They said, oh, to give you exposure after Britain's Got Talent. So I'm the most but popular you, and this. So sorry, so you know what I wanted to say at this point? Like, you know, we had, th- we had that call a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I think, where I told you, you know, my personal perception of yeah. uh, c- comedians. And you're supposed to be smart. Uh, allegedly, but, but I, I think, you you're, know, You're without... supposed to be exposed. Without 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 getting to know um, anyone in that, that that works in the industry before all of that, I think there's always this perception because of the way that comedians present themselves on stage and whatever else. Even nah, though it's not the way comedians present themselves. Like even no, there, I'll argue with you. No, it's but because I, of you and the the lens that you saw you things. You can through. say that, but 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 the comedian is like the court jester, right? That's the kind of to stereotype. You, no, to, to most you. people, I, I'm telling you how most no, people. No, to most see people it. in your social circle. Again, we had this whole conversation, so let's not go in circles. But so, to the community you come from yeah. and the social circles you grew up in, this yeah. don't even represent one percent of the world. It only represent one percent of this uh, this this country that we're in. Mm. That social circle that thinks only doctor, lawyer, and 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 flipping imam are the best jobs. To them, that close-minded circle, maybe that's how. But there's a reason why all the top political shows in the world, like in the Western world, are hosted by comedians. There's a reason why comedians are contacted to take part in political rallies, as well as rappers, as well as musicians, in countries as powerful as America. The most powerful countries in the world recognize the influence, intelligence, and importance of artists. Right? Nobody can tell me that Dave Chappelle comes across as dumb. Nobody can tell me that Richard Pryor came across as dumb. Nobody can tell me that George Carlin came across as dumb. Chris Rock, dumb. No way. Those men are more intelligent than most people that you know. Hmm. And it shows through their art. And they may be at the top, but remember, they had to be inspired by someone else. They came out of a pool of people. And to be an artist, to be self-employed, to be a comedian requires intelligence. You have to be writing it. You do it. People who think it's easy, let them try it. We're not going on stage and, going, uh, and people are laughing. I've seen you pull so, that face a few times on stage, though, let's be honest. <laughs> after a joke. Right? <laughs> so I'm like Ricky Gervais. You try to tell me that you think that your flipping no, friend course. who works in HR is smarter than Ricky Gervais. It's that pretentious, conceited nature that we have within the no, community. But, but, that, but, but I, again, that's I don't what think... It is. I don't think that's necessarily even in the community. I feel like it's a societal issue with regards to creatives. It's not the a societal same, I, issue I, I, with regards no, to it creatives is. because the, the, the vast s- majority of people outside of Harrow and Edgware... No, 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 but this Kodja, is the point I'm making. Indian, this is the, the point I'm making is that the even vast Rishi... majority of people Even see, Rishi Sunak... So even Rishi Sunak turned around and said, what about creatives? Oh, it's time to retrain. That's different. That's no, it's, it's, it's exactly it's the same also, thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. I'll show you why. He's not denying the power or the intelligence of these people. It's that they don't have, they did not have funding. Even opera singers are being told to retrain, right? And these are the high arts. Even theatre actors are being told to retrain. And these are people who get things like OBEs. Mm. These people are being told to retrain. That's a, a macroeconomic issue, not a cultural issue of not respecting the arts. Loads of people, bar owners, pubs that this country worships are being told to close down. 
That's not the same thing. It's not a societal issue. The uproar and outrage people have shows that the mentality you had is not reflective of the, the wider society. Yeah. It's not. Because if it was, people, Muslims will only spend five pounds to come to a comedy show. A Muslim comedy show. My, I'm not, you know, flipping wider community is spending 60 pounds to go and watch comedy. 50 pounds, 30 pounds on a weekend to go and watch stand-up and they'll follow you. Like, the jokes that I tell in, like, mainstream gigs would go over their heads of a lot of the audiences that I do within the so-called community. Yeah. But that's, a lot of the time, there's doctors and lawyers in those audiences, but they're just not socializing. You can't, and this is not just me. You're close to comedians. Ask them. They'll tell you the same thing. We have to dumb down our material. I can do more political stuff outside of a Muslim audience. Something quite ironic about I can that, with it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the same, the same audiences the same audiences that think that you're not very smart and dumb are, are the ones that you're having to dumb down your you have to walk it like, think about this I'm do, we're doing <laughs> these tours for these Muslim organisations right people are turning up with 17 week old babies and sitting in front and don't understand how that's a problem in Cardiff I remember almost sat in front with seven they're turning up with children and they don't understand why you know it a baby's running around crying and screaming. You go to a Muslim event and somebody thinks it's normal to walk in front of stage and talk to somebody while you're performing and not understand why you pick on them and make fun of them. It, Muslim community is playing catch-up. It really is. So the, and the, most the, of our artists are... Uh-huh. I was going to say the second thing I wanted to, to mention and pick up from, from that conversation we had the other day was about... Um, you said that in terms of exploiting black um, talent, especially in comedians and, and whatever else, mm-hmm. you said that there was like a certain, uh, I can't remember the, the phrase you used, but the, the kind of, uh, we like to benefit from black culture more so but than other actually. cultures. No, but, but yeah. so I, again, I think that's an important point to expand on. Of so course. You, were, you were saying, I think, something along the lines of the fact that black culture is, is seen as the most profitable yeah. um, and, and the coolest by and whatever everybody. else, by but then everybody. it's not, black people are not respected and it's not kind of no. paid its dues, so to speak. People are, don't mind if we die as long as rap music is left behind. That's the reality. So it's like everybody... You know, like, think about this. What would this, what would the world look like if black people didn't exist in terms of entertainment? Culture. Let's not talk about it in culture, entertainment. What, what, the language, even you, as much as you may not feel that you're urban, the way you speak would change if black people had never interacted with this country. The, the way you dress would change. The shoes that are available in the shops that you go to would change. That's the impact that we've had. And everybody wants to profit from it. Who owns all the hair shops? You know? But it's like, nobody ever wants to give back. If people loved black people as much as they love our culture, we yeah. wouldn't have any problems. And that's not just from this age. That's from Shakespeare stealing his stories from a black person. That's from the Greeks ripping off the Egyptians. The Greeks and Romans stealing knowledge from Egypt. And that's not me talking some whole t- This is stuff that any historian can show you. The Greeks took the Sphinx from Egyptian mythology and put it in theirs. The, the, the Greeks took a lot of knowledge when they invaded Egypt and brought it to their own society and claimed it to be theirs. This has been going on for hundreds of years. Many people who existed historically that were black in terms of art, in terms of philosophy, were whitewashed over time. 
same with religious figures. So it's, it's, it's a problem that is systemic. And even now, you look at today, Marcus Rashford is great when he scores goals. But when he wants to feed his community, it's a problem. Even if he does it with his own money. Mm. Same goes for Stormzy. That's why part of me was scared when I started seeing how much support I was getting. Because I was like, it will not take longer than a couple of days. The media will attack me. And look what they did. But I, I, I think, I mean, you mentioned Marcus Rashford. I've seen uh, there's a growing disconnect now between the kind of mainstream media tabloid coverage he's getting and social and media. And the community. And, and the community, yeah. So, so like a lot of people, and even myself, like I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself, like I, I really like Mar- Marcus Rashford. I hate United as a, as a Liverpool fan and I'm, a, I'm big into my whole football thing. I know you've, you find it tribalistic and stupid. But... You know, I, I have a lot of respect for the work that he's doing and using his platform in that way. But I think that sentiment is there on a kind of grassroots level. But yes, the... Have you the, seen... But the thing is, there are people out there yeah. who agree with the right-wing newspapers, right? Now, this is why I say this is going to... You know, this, this is a good way to come back. I'm going to piss off a lot of people. I will tell you that the wider society is less racist than our own little mini community here in the West. What do you mean? The white society is less racist than... So, for example, the average white guy walking down the street enjoys white privilege, no doubt. But the average white guy walking down the street probably doesn't have a problem with the statement Black Lives Matter, probably feels disgusted when certain things happen, even if they don't do anything about it. They probably don't actively hate black people whereas when i walk through certain areas here in the uk i can feel it i can see it in the way i'm treated and dealt with you know you mean you mean ethnic areas yeah ethnic areas where they're not black you know like don't get me wrong there are some white establishments that are notoriously racist because they're very very they're classist and racist but the majority of the time the average white guy you bump into on the street Worst comes to worst, he might be scared of me, but he doesn't hate me. He doesn't, you know, the white mm. kids at school come in and play with black kids, right? Uh, my, 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 my daughter's nursery, the white kids played with the black kids. But you notice there was a disconnect. I remember when I went to college here, black people and white people had no problems, right? Asians didn't even mix with each other. Bengalis were one side, Pakistanis were one side. And, and that, like, even now, when I see a group of people rolling, if I see a group of Asians together, all of them are the same type of Asian. But when you see a group of black people together, there's a Jamaican, there's a Nigerian, there's a Ghanaian, but they all come together, right? So when you as a black man go into an area that is predominantly Asian or predominantly a type of Arab, if they don't even like each other, what chance do you have? And that is represented even at the highest levels of organizations, even at the office politics, um, even in our religious institutions, it's, it's exhibited. If you go to a black-run masjid, there's different types of black people. But if you go to a flipping Bengali masjid, it's that's what it is. An Afghan masjid, that's what it is. Right? That idea of coexisting with others just is not you know, you go, look, white people sometimes are more diehard about uh, flipping diversity than certain non-black ethnic minorities. 
when the Black Lives Matter um, uh, trend this year was in full throttle, the first people to say negative things about it were Muslims from organizations. And then later, they deleted tweets and started posting positive things. Or certain organizations who always said nothing, when they saw the white man was doing it, then they did it. Even though they have members who have been notoriously anti-black or anti-critical race theory, anti-discussion you know, of anti-blackness. People who've come out and said anti-blackness does not exist were now mm. posting Black Lives Matter because they saw... Oh, here's a better example. I actually cut this from this podcast and post it, please. Yeah, starting now. This Charlie Hebdo thing happened. Hmm? And it was disgusting, you know. We don't support either side of what has happened, right? Either side. Not the newspaper, and not the murderers either. However, non-black Muslims have come out and said, oh, when you insult the gays, you are homophobic. When you insult the Jews, you're anti-Semitic. And when you insult the blacks, you're racist. But what about the Muslims? And I can show you examples, multiple. One guy said, when you insult the Negroes, you're a racist, an Arab guy. These people are so ignorant. They don't realize that if it wasn't for the, the blood of black people, you guys wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for the blood of black people in America, wasn't for the blood of black people here in the UK, across Europe, every act, every progress that you see that's been made in terms from Bristol, there were, boy, there were bus boycotts in Bristol from black people. That's the reason why Asians can drive buses. That's the reason why it, people benefit from our struggle and then act like it never happened. Like, why do constantly our struggle is that they act as if white people just all of a sudden stop being racist to us and everything is fine. How can you say, oh, when you say racist things about black people, you're called a racist? When most Muslim organizations at some point or another have had something anti-black said about black people and nothing was done. These people saying these things are proof that what they're saying is not true. And then they equate us, there's this anti-Semitic idea as well that, you know, Jews are, oh, they're protected and blah, blah, blah. They've never suffered either. And then they put black people with them. And then also, the, the one thing that really annoys me is they take black people out of Islam when they say that. The first Muslims in the West were black. The first Muslims in the West, even before slavery, was it not Mansa Musa that went to America? Was it not the Moors that came from Africa into Europe? The first Muslims in Europe and America were black Muslims. Varying shades of black, but they were black. And these guys come out and say, yo, so when you insult the blacks, what about the black Muslims then? These people don't understand how ignorant what they're saying is. Now, when they say these things, they say it as a response to racism from the West. But they make Islam and they make Muslims look stupid when they make these statements. In America, black people had to go through 400 years of slavery. It wasn't just name-calling. It was 400 years of depression, murder, rape, being lynched, segregation. They fought and died so that they could have the right to even protest against racism. And then these South Asians, the Arabs come along and they see that, oh, and the only reason these things are taken seriously is because we react differently from everyone else. You know, most of the big riots, the Brixton riots, was it not black people? The, the, the Tottenham Court Road, the, the, the um, 
uh, what's that, Broadwater Farm Estate riots, that was black people. It's always black people reacting to oppression. You never see any Asian-led riots. You never see them in the West. All the boycott, all these things that Muslim organizations are doing now, like boycotts, were inspired by the civil rights movement. Multiple civil rights movements across the world started by black people. And now they turn around saying, oh, yeah, when you saw black people, you're called racist. As if in their homes, they're still not calling me Kala Banda. As if they're not still calling us Abid in their countries. Shut up, man. It just, there's no need to say these things. And the fact that they throw us, you know, because you know these people that say these things a lot of the time do not like Jewish people. You know they don't like gays, right? They then put blacks in the same category. So you can see even the subtext in what they're doing. It's disgusting. So, you know, and then they say that, and these are meant to be woke people. So this is what I mean when I say the wider society in the West isn't even as racist as the so-called Muslim community. Because at least the racists in the wider society, a lot of them know that they're racist. The ones that are out and out racist, they know. They're proud. And then, you know, whereas you've got someone that'll come and say, if you've got someone that'll go to Birmingham and give that one and tell people, don't be black, don't act like you're black, act like you're decent and try and defend it. It's not racism. You tell you, oh, I meant, you know, like Biggie and Tupac. That's his go-to for black people. Rappers that died 20 years ago. Yeah. Who were both very articulate. Oh, you know, yeah, man. It's getting to the point where more and more Muslim artists and, and, and influencers, I hate that term, but that's what they are, and, and notable Muslims are saying, I'm sick and tired of the wider Muslim community, and I want to go start, I want us to go start our own. Because we're fed up with these people. Some brown people can come too, the ones who are anti-racist, yeah, they can join. But I'm sick of the wider Muslim community. They're just such a disappointment. I think on that bleak note, it might be time to end this podcast. Uh, unless you want to keep going, but we've been going for about an hour now. Ah, so... It's been long. We can throw in some extra, you know. I don't want it to, I don't want it to end on anger. So let's talk about some positive shit. Uh, do you have any positive shit to discuss? I mean, I don't know how much of it I can say on here, but like, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's the thing. Until it's just like when I told you something big is coming, but you didn't know what it was. Yeah, right? yeah. well, something bigger is coming. Um, you know, it's since since the whole BGT thing, it's uh, honestly, well, I, I've I've never Tawakul is a very powerful thing, and I think. I don't know who needs to hear this, but anybody watching this podcast, listening to it. I can't wait to edit this and have that, you know, that like Islamic humming in the background. Yeah. 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 Anybody listening to this, like, you know, uh, there's nothing worth doing that is easy. I don't think. Yeah. And, you know, my story... Um, like I, Abdul Rahim Green and the founder of Brixton Masjid, Abdul Baker, actually talks about me in a reminder about the importance of being steadfast. And I think that there is a certain toughness in this age of instant gratification from social media that has yeah. disappeared. Most people don't have the attention span to watch a video that's longer than 70 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. And um, this is my open letter to everyone in life who 
has ever struggled. Like, I mean, I've been through it. Like, there's things I've been through you don't know about. Um, and and life is not easy, but it's not meant to be, you know? And I want people to know that whatever it is you're going through, you know, no matter how much life is beating you up, no matter how much you're losing that fight, fight back, honestly. Stand up, do your best, whatever you do. Whatever it is you do, it, you don't have to be a comedian. It's not just about entertainment. You know, I want people to understand, like, People will not see the vision. People will not see. People will not believe in you. People will not support you, right? Not not everyone will be there for you the way you need them to. But that's fine. You don't need an army of thousands. The, the Spartans done it with three hundred. You don't even need that, right? And remember that, like whatever religion you are, whoever you um, hold dear to you. Like I'm a Muslim, so I I look at it from Muslim perspectives. You know, the Sahaba were always outnumbered. They starved. They were sick. The Ahlul Bayt went through some of the worst things you can ever go through. As, as a human being, you have to remember that these struggles you're going through are what are going to make you stronger. Iron sharpens iron. So for me, those 11 years that I've been denied opportunity uh, to be mainstream, those 11 years that I never saw the breakthrough that I got, uh, that, that I've gotten now, they made me better. Those years prepared me for what you saw. Um, the, the BGT thing, that wasn't something that somebody who just started comedy yesterday um, could do. And if I got a big break 11 years ago, I wouldn't be as good as I am now. And now I believe that I have a, a stronger skill set and a stronger character to be useful to our community and to, to be useful to the world and, and to go out there and um, create all this positive art and, and do things for people that I would not have had if I got the break when I wanted. You know, and, and it, it just teaches us about sabr and tawakkul. Always believe, always believe, always, always have that strong spirit. It doesn't matter. You don't do it for other people. People will tell you you're not good. I've been told many times that I'm not good at what I do, but people who didn't see the vision, that's fine. But you stay true to you and whatever it is that you do. And even if you don't make the kind of success that you want, the journey that you will, you will have towards going towards your goal, the experiences, the people you meet, the things you learn, those in in them in themselves, it, 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 those those things are their own reward, and and you know it's getting lost on this generation because there is no graft and everything is. This guy started an Instagram channel, it went viral, and now he's a millionaire. But remember, sometimes the one that speeds up also falls down first. You know, there, there's something to be said about hard work. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, our grandfathers and our fathers went through so much for us to be where we are now. So don't ever despise humble beginnings, man. Honestly, the, uh, the, the doors and opportunities open up for me right now. Some of them, if I told you, it sounds, you know, like I'm bragging. And, and that's after all these years, after all these years. And then many of the people that I used to look at and think, wow, I wish I could be like him. Now I'm ahead of them. Just, just like that. It took me 11 years to become an overnight success. So I feel, I feel like I'm at a graduation ceremony right now. Yeah, you, you know, you know they, crying. you know, they get that motivational speaker on just to <laughs> tell you guys, this is, this oh, is the beginning. It's not, it's not the end. It's the beginning. Um, oh, bro, it really is. Man. No, I know, Honestly. of course, man. You know, and even if nothing comes out of opportunities that we presented, at least I can yeah. say I got to the door. That's all I wanted. All I wanted was the opportunity, because I never I, got that. I think from you know? from from the outside, the one thing I will say is that it's been it's been very uh, interesting, kind of being along the journey with you. And, and having conversations at various stages. And I think, you know, the, the where you're at now is, is, is a good place in terms of like appreciating um, 
everything that's happened and being able to kind of like just really soak it all in I think you've always been there throughout actually like you know at every stage you've kind of acknowledged and and, and taken the time in terms of like knowing what's happening and and just uh, appreciating the moment for what it is and as you say like you know being able to reflect back on the the journey that you've been on the, the good and the bad in terms of the experiences that you had over the years um yeah. But no, inshallah. I, I mean, I mean, the nice thing is, hopefully, if you're if you're not too busy to to keep up doing this podcast, then we can kind of get little updates every now and then as to like just w- what the w- what you're up to and 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 what's next, basically. But that's if you pick hey, up the my, phone my, when I call you. My my agent flipping shouted out the podcast, man. They didn't have to do that. <laughs> so no, We're going I mean, places. like yeah. I mean, this is the thing as well. Like, I've not changed. Um, I've still got yeah. the same number. It's just my circumstance. Um. I'm harder to get through because I'm getting more calls now than I did before. You also and seem a lot busier on Twitter these days. Yeah, I'm not a lot less on Facebook. Um, you know, Twitter is quicker than Facebook. It's almost like Facebook, you have to really sit down and get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Twitter, you could just say something and, you know. But like, I, 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 you know what? I've been sitting down and like, I've been trying to respond to every single positive message that I've gotten. Yeah since this journey began and it's taken a lot of time um but like i feel it's important that i respond to every single positive message that isn't a request for something stupid um <laughs> you know and it's hard like i still look there's messages from when i got the golden buzzer that i still haven't been able to respond to yeah that's how backed up it is and and you know i say alhamdulillah constantly you know because you know these things are a privilege you know like this this year everybody has taken losses this is the year that people you know my family member just had to close his business that he was running for 17 years Mm -hmm. imagine that 17 years you've been doing something and it's been your bread and butter and you you have to close it not because of a bad investment you made but because of covid and you know um i'm happy just to be alive and 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 and, you know uh, you know life is so unpredictable man you know, um, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, I was by myself in a cell. Wondering what will happen to my life. So, you know, along the way to come here, you know how many of my friends have passed away or aren't here anymore? You know, so I, I'm really, you know, I want people to understand I'm not some bitter guy. I just stay how it is. But I'm really appreciative of me. And I, I know some of you are like, oh, you didn't even bring the talent. Why are you appreciative? Don't worry. You will see. I've got things coming. You will see. But, uh, you know, I'm really, you know, the fact that did you see the message I put up from my father? Uh, just before? On my, um, yeah. Oh, just after. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, how many people can have, a, like, of our generation? Well, I mean, I'm a bit older than you, even though I don't look it. Uh, I'm a bit older than you, but from our generation and our kind of background, how many people have gotten a message like that from their dad? Mm. You know, especially in my culture where affection is not shown, you know. So for me, these are the little victories. Forget about, forget about Britain's got time. Forget about even money and opportunities. Yeah, I like those things. They'll come. But for me, it's like, you know, messages from, I got a message from someone telling me that my child used to get bullied in school and they don't anymore because they're a black Muslim and, they, you know, everybody comes to them to ask them questions about you. I've got something, my, my daughter is five. She watches your video every morning. I've got someone else uh, said, look, I'm an old white person and I look like a gammon, but I'm not. That made me laugh. And she's like, I'm 74 
my husband is 79 and uh, we love what you do and we pray for you every day we're christians but we believe god is one and we pray for you i get so many that's why i say sometimes it brings me to tears i get i got messages from people who've been diagnosed with illnesses terminal illnesses and they said that you kind of you know i watch you to cheer myself up you mm -hmm. know people messaging me all kinds of dua and saying thank you so much for representing muslims and for saying the words you said on stage because too many people hear the word Allahu Akbar and think, oh, terrorism, alhamdulillah. But you said those things proudly on stage. Thank you. You know, like, how can I not be humbled? And like the amount of Muslims that came together, um, that, 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 you know, and non-Muslims, black people, white, that came together and saw what I did and liked it. Because at the end of the day, my art is an expression, art is self-expression. And why do ones, this is something that comes from my experiences, and it's me in essence. Like if you could put me in a bottle, that that's my standard. That's why I love it. It's my passion. I've been doing it my entire adult life. And to get that kind of appreciation for it just blows me away, man. And, and you know, whatever comes from this, I, I pray that God allows me to stay who I am and not change. You know, it's very important to me. You can't, you know, but like all it means the world, the amount of support I've gotten, the people who who stayed up through the night trying to get people to vote for me and I, I'll never forget any of these people. I'll, they don't know how much they mean to me. They don't, you know. So honestly, man, and I'll tell people as well. Um, a lot of people now, if you're if you're on the up in anything, don't forget the people that push for you to get there, man. Don't forget because the way you treat people uh, when you're making an ascension is the parachute that will catch you if you fall. Mm. You know, because we're all going to have to fall eventually, but some of us fall gracefully. Right, because we built a good parachute. And that's why I hope to try and do just be good to the people around you. I don't, you know, it's amazing that so much support, but I'm I've tried my best to call every single day one person that was supporting, you know, so they know it. Don't think because I did some TV thing or whatever. And next year somebody else will do BGT, they won't remember me. Uh, I have to build something else now. Right. But I, I think it's very important. I hope I continue. That's why this podcast is important. This platform is important for me. It's a bit of you charity know? parachute work you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to build a parachute. And the Appreciate thing it, is this, like, if something happens to me tomorrow, bro, this might yeah. be something my kids watch to know what their dad was like. Yeah. No, no, for real. You know, so that's why I talk so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. so thank you for, for being on my case. As annoying as you are. But I, honestly, you know, it's not me avoiding you. Like, it's been You know things the public doesn't know, right? You know things the public does not know. As I keep saying, man, for the right price, all this information is there. Daily Mail, Sun, Actually, hit me up. I'm ready. Do, do Daily we have Mirror. time for me to just give one quick anecdote? Oh, do we have time for that or no? I, I, I personally don't have much time right now. I need to go soon. But how quick is the story? Your stories are like 20 minutes. When old men speak, the youth should listen. Um, probably like three minutes. Go on quickly. And then just wrap so, up. So, so tell your story and then just say bye to everybody and we'll just close it out there. How about that? You know, I'll tell the story another time. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, that'd guys, be a good story uh, now. It is to me and that's all that matters, man. <laughs> anyway, guys, um, thank you to everyone that has uh, taken the time to listen to this. The Muslim vibe. Thank you for everyone uh, who has gone behind me over the years and especially this year. And to everyone that's taken a loss this year, man, uh, you know, if you're a man of life, I pray, I pray God provides you with the comfort 
and ease for a situation. Remember that with hardship comes ease. And, you know, always remember to stay humble in victory and in defeat. And praise Allah in all circumstances. And if you don't believe in Allah and Yahweh or whoever it is that you believe in, and, um, you know, or Darwin. <laughs> or the flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've become a lot more nice and positive since this whole BGC thing. I like it. It's, it's like a new you. I've always been a nice guy. You're, you're just less annoying to me now. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, all right. I think that's a, that's a good place to end. So everyone, each one, teach one. <laughs>